everybody, my name is Matt Pierce, Learning and Video Ambassador for TechSmith Corporation. So glad that you're here with us today, listening in or watching live, whatever it might be. We've got a great topic. We're gonna be talking about inspiration and creativity. And you might be saying, well, Matt, what does that have to do with visuals? Well, the good news is I think there, you can see there's a clear parallel and our guest today is fantastic and he's going to be able to help us talk about some design principles, talk about some his sources of inspiration and how he gets creativity when he's looking at, at visuals. And so let's do with that. Let me just do a quick introduction here. Kevin Thorne is an award-winning e-learning designer and developer, consultant, and owner of Nugget Head Studio. He also, I think, calls himself the chief Nugget Head, a boutique custom design and development studio. After retiring from the U.S. Army, Kevin pursued a career in corporate IT and training and development with his combined military and industry experience. Kevin started the studios in 2012 and is the chief nugget head. He works with clients in various industries and Kevin is a well-known industry speaker and trainer, which I can vouch for, and a certified facilitator in Lego serious play methodologies, which is just super, super awesome. So Kevin, welcome to today's episode of the Visual Lounge. Thanks, Matt. Glad to be here. Well, Kevin, to get started here, I, obviously I read read your bio and shared a little bit about people, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself for anyone who might be watching or listening, anything else that we should know about you? No, you don't want to know anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's no, I, I, your, your intro was just, I mean, it was spot on. Um, I'm retired Army, uh, left the Army and... Uh, pursued uh, an education in IT and, and was on the track for an IT uh, career. About three years into that, um, I was introduced to join the training department at a corporate, you know, corporate organization. Um, and then basically cut my teeth and found that's kind of my sweet spot, you know, the, uh, the geeky uh, uh, programming internet side of things, technology, uh, the visual design and graphics, because um, I'm also a lifelong artist. I never really went to art school, but I draw comics and cartoons. And uh, so I was able to bring sort of that creative visual thing, the technology thing, and not really realizing, uh, you know, spending a career in the military, that's all you do is train. And uh, there's a sense of satisfaction when everybody is up to speed on everything and everybody, you know, that sense of accomplishment or satisfaction that you've trained somebody how to do something. So it's like all of these interests all kind of mashed together in this industry. And I found my sweet spot. And then uh, another decade, I guess, learning the ropes. Um, and then in 2012, uh, as you mentioned, um, uh, technology was really kicking out with mobile technology. You know, iPad, mm -hmm. iPhones were, were really in the big swing at that time. And I was really trying to uh, implement those technologies into what we were doing at corporate. <clears throat> and while there was a lot of interest, um, corporate was moving at a slower pace than I wanted to go, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, so I just started exhausting sort of that curiosity by freelancing. Another year or so goes by and freelancing turned out to be a full-time job and one had to go. So I quit the quit the corporate life and started this company, and that was uh, what nine, almost ten years ago. Yeah, so, it's been it's been good so far. So yeah. Kevin, you you mentioned something that I think is really interesting, and 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 I think this is one of the ways I kind of got connected with you is that you mentioned your love of comics and drawing and sketching. Um, and, and I think that's super, it's super interesting, right? Because it, it plays well with the whole idea of visuals. It's obvious it's a visual medium. Tell me like, how, how has that influenced 
your what the work that you do because I if, I feel like that's some of the projects I've seen you do is it has relied heavily on that. I know it doesn't all rely on that, but tell us no. a little bit more about how that plays into your your professional life. The fact that you love comics and comic books. Yeah, so um, I mean, it, you you couldn't uh, be more I guess lucky or blessed to be able to take sort of that lifelong hobby and incorporate it in the work you do. Um, so instructional comics or educational comics, if you will, um, it's it's a huge, huge genre, huge medium that's used in the print side a lot um, in young adults and things like that. But it, it was never it's never really used as much in adult education or the adult workforce. So I kind of taken on this sort of mission, if you will, that I'm going to implement the comic medium in storytelling and visual storytelling into uh, any particular adult workforce learning and development topic and then just set that sort of um, there is no topic in the learning and development industry that cannot be converted into an educational comic a story of some kind now to your point not every topic is suited for that it can be but it's not necessarily it depends on the audience the delivery you know everything else that we we analyze you know technologies audience access points all of those types of things um, that interest even uh, went farther, so I, I tried to implement that as when I could, and if I saw a project or a topic that um, invited itself to like a scenario or some type of a story or a process, and then I would automatically think this would be a great comic, interactive comic. So then I would get a project to do that, and then I would do another one. And then the more I would do them, the more value and benefit that I see out of using this medium over different types of mediums that we use. And um, that's led me to go into a doctoral program studying instructional comics. So I just started doing that, trying to do, which is forcing me to do more research and write more about the genre and about instructional comics. Right. Educational, well, interactive comics. Uh, well, that's awesome. And, and congratulations on pursuing, being able to pursue something that, I mean, it, I think it just sounds like such a cool area to focus on. One of the things that I, I think about, Kevin, is that there's probably a lot of people who will listen to this or who will watch this and say, like, I, I could never do a comic. For all the reasons you've probably heard a million times, they can't draw. It's, you know, it doesn't fit with their their audience or genre or whatever. But I'm guessing there's some basics kind of skills or ideas about design that that you've you've probably worked on through comics that apply with visuals in general. And I, I'd love to know and hear from you if you have any thoughts about like, what, what can, what can the average person who is not going to go out and make a comic learn about good visual design from what you've already learned? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, first off, forget the idea that I can't draw because it's not about you drawing um, because I would ask you the same question um, are you a video producer or video editor, but yet you might use video in your projects? So we, right. we it, just think, think of comic as a medium. That's an output. And then we still design and analyze. We still write the content. We still write scripts. We still do the instructional design. So all of those skills that you already practice, you're perfect. You're in the right spot. But then think of it, can this be told as a story? And then the visual side is visual narrative or sequential narrative. So if we think of uh, stories that you can read a story just by looking at the visuals, 
then that's telling a story, but there's no script, there's no audio, but you're telling a story visually. So that's the difference. That's sort of the, the gateway into using sort of the comic medium. Um, and I know a lot of times when we think of comics, the first thing that comes to mind might be a cartoon strip, our favorite cartoon strip, or uh, a superhero comic, uh, mm -hmm. something like that. And that's, that's fine if, if that helps you think through processing. Uh, but that's, that's farther on. That's, you start getting into themes and, and characters and development. But um, one of the things that um, I like to do is if I see something where it's a lot of process um, and it's a lot of scenario driven. And one of the things that I think we miss, and I know I'm kind of bouncing around here a little bit, but I think one of the things we miss uh, sometimes when we do these type scenario type things is we've, it's not that we don't think of our audience, but we don't relate to them enough or represent them enough inside the story. So by creating characters in the comic medium, you can dive deeper into the culture. You can dive deeper into that environment, into that world. You can tell stories about, you can bring objects to life. You can bring all types of things more real and more representative and more relatable, especially if it's a character that somebody is, oh, that's me. That's exactly who I am. Right. And then you go into character development and then you, there's, there's no limit to that because then you you're you're free and you're not having to hire actors <laughs> you just you draw them up and then you write a script and then record a script well one of the things i'm thinking about as you as you you go through this it thinks I, i'm thinking i'm relating this to stuff that we've researched around video is that one of the reasons people stop watching video is that it doesn't feel relevant or it isn't relevant to them maybe they won't even start and it seems like what i what i just heard is that you can create this strong relevance by using, by using character, by using story, by using these things. And, and, and a comic is just, it's a format, right? It's, it doesn't yeah. have to be what we think of. It's not Spider-Man, Superman. Uh, it doesn't it have could, to be, it could be that line art. Yeah. It could be stick figures. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't have, it's, it's not the art. And that's where a lot of folks, um, well, that's, you know, that we don't have a budget for that and, and I can't draw and, and, and I would ask, just don't even think there. You're not there yet, right? So think of the story, think of the environment, think of the culture, think of the relevance. Um, are there characters? Can you relate those characters to your audience? If you can, if you can like build a matrix and kind of narrow all that down, and you then you start seeing it evolve. You say, okay, now this makes this makes for a good comic or an instructional comic. Or that'll evolve to the point where it'll emerge like, you know, we just, it's just too touchy there. That's too delicate, or that's going to be too complex, or that's too technical. Then we go to a different format. We might have to do video, or we might have to do animation, like an explainer video of some type. Um, so it, it, don't think about the art and all of that until you get there. And then when you get there and you got your characters, the, the, what I love about the character development in, in instructional comics is we can go all the way into their backstory because if you think of backstory, I know you like to read a book and you, mm -hmm. as, you're, as you're reading a character in a book, the author might take a page or two pages in the book to kind of describe a little about who that character is, where they came from. Well, we can do the same thing in, in, in uh, instructional comics. It's an, ex it's an exercise we do where we, we develop these characters. We have a backstory. Where do they come from? What are their likes? What are their dislikes? What kind of food do they eat? What kind of car do they drive? Everything. 
all of those details never show up in, in the actual instruction, but it helps us get a personality. How do we draw that character? How do we present that? What kind of voice do we want that character to sound like? What kind of clothes are they wearing? So all of those character development generates a personality, and that personality then relates to the audience. And this is a little stair-step sort of um, uh, the path of the journey, if you will. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that because as I'm thinking about this, this actually has so many applications beyond just comic books, right? Like everything that we're doing, you know, I think about like if I'm creating a tutorial and it's going to be about using a piece of software like Camtasia or like Snagit and I'm trying to understand, I have to go on in and understand what is that user, who are they, what are they trying to do in this particular instance? And it gets tough because, you know, for us, we've got you know, tons of users are very, all very different. Whereas, but in an organization, you might be able to narrow down on that backstory of, you know, we're talking to our IT group and we're talking about, they're doing these very particular tasks. And I think that makes a lot of sense to, to start shaping and formatting. What is it that they need to learn? So not only is it relevant, it applies to me, but I'm giving them the information that they are going to need and not not a bunch of extraneous stuff, sure. right? Like, yeah, and right. so that's really cool. I love that idea of using the characters, uh, what would be in your comic to help drive that. Yeah, one example, uh, we did one several years ago for the CDC on um, uh, po uh, uh, Partners with Positive, and it was a, uh, it was a campaign of uh, how to, living with HIV, so Partners with Positive. Um, and the story was, it was, the easy part was all the content. We had all the content the CDC gave us. Like, oh, we can tell this story. But how do we tell the story? How do we get the emotion in there? So we developed two characters that live in the same neighborhood, but come from two different backgrounds. They don't even know each other. One character was down on his luck and uh, working the streets to kind of survive. And the other one um, was uh, pregnant uh, and her unborn child was positive. So it had mm. two completely different dynamic scenarios, but yet they interacted with the same health department. They interacted with the same clinic. They interacted with the same community center. They were in the same neighborhood. So the campaign or the story was about you're not alone. You know, you're you have people in your neighborhood that can get you through this and help you, and, and you can live a, a a perfectly positive, healthy lifestyle. Um, and it was hugely successful. But the amount of time that we took to put into that character and that character development made a difference because we got all kinds of really great positive feedback. I knew somebody just like that. Ooh, I know somebody like that. Or ooh, that's that sounded like me five years ago. This is great. So it it's extra effort. Um, you know, the comic medium or choosing comic as, as a format, like you mentioned, um, probably the one thing that I would suggest that it does take a little bit more time than your standard instructional e-learning course. Um, and then if you really do get into some of the higher level art, creative art, whether you're the artist or whether you can draw or not, you, you have to source and hire an artist, um, uh, and then that's just another team member to manage, you know, through the process, right. you know, creating all the assets and things like that. So it's a little bit more effort, a little bit more time. Yeah, for sure. Well, Kevin, I want to I want to shift from kind of this the the thinking around comics. I want I want to get into some practical design because I think yeah. 
you know, like you said, most people aren't going to probably hire someone to do a comic. It's going to be probably outside the scope of a lot of projects. Although I think it's a great, it's a great thing if you, if you can find the right place to it and you're looking for somebody who can help you make a comic. I mean, Kevin's probably available for some work, um, <laughs> not to, not to set you up, but, uh, so in terms of practical design for the, for everybody else, that's not doing a lot of comics that we're, you know, maybe I know, and I loved what you said that everyone can draw. I firmly believe that. However, I am not practiced at it. Um, and so I need to, you know, get back at, you know, thinking about my designs and thinking about the things I'm going to do to convey good instruction. Are there any principles that you could apply or, or, or draw out for us that you think would be helpful for everybody to know kind of base level, like this is going to help you raise the level of your visual design for your instruction? Yeah, I would, I would all everybody um, revisit if you haven't in a while, uh, if this is new to you, uh, look at the, the fundamentals of design or the fundamentals of visual design. Uh, it's a four letter acronym. Um, some, depending on where you go, in deeper in design, there's seven or eight of these principles, but the four fundamental principles um, are uh, the acronym uh, PARC or carp and sometimes uh, uh jokingly we call it crap cr it's crap kevin it's crap that's how i learned it that's how i remembered it it's crap <laughs> we can uh, so say we can say that <laughs> it is crap all right so it's contrast repetition alignment and proximity um and then the the jokingly thing about that is the lack of crap is why we have crappy design so you can play, play, play on words right there, but uh, take some time to look at those four fundamentals, contrast, repetition, alignment, and proximity. And uh, you might be aware, especially when we're doing digital media, like um, e-learning and things like that, or even video, like using Camtasia or animations, <clears throat> you might have uh, referred to the grid pattern where you put a grid um, on your, and that way everything lines up. Um, a grid, that's alignment. So you're actually practicing that if you use a grid. Um, and then <clears throat> proximity is, you know, keeping some white space uh, near things. Uh, proximity. Um, contrast. Uh, you don't want too many lively colors. Um, it, you can do a really nice design in black and white with just one color. So it's it's playing around with color and placement and contrast and all those things. One of the great places to practice, um, believe it or not, is PowerPoint. Uh, so put a grid, you know, turn on the little grid in the back of your PowerPoint slide. Draw in a couple shapes, different varying shapes, basic shapes, triangle squares and circles. Throw a few colors at them and then move them around and then start. What does contrast look like? What does proximity look like visually? What does alignment look like? Because visual design is all about the aesthetics. What does it look like? So we're not going to be able to practice what things look like until we start making things look different ways. And then you can compare, oh, I like the way that looks. I like the way that looks. The one caution, and I fall down this rabbit hole all the time, is I'll do a design and I really like the way it looks. And I've followed all of the principles. I've, I've, it's a professional looking design. I'll send it off for review and it gets trash canned within a few minutes you know, totally don't like it and they totally don't understand it but then you know then you know the ego gets hit you feel a little you know taken <laughs> down you're like wow what what did i do wrong that's a good design and then we have the conversation and then it dawns on me again it's like 
I forgot about this particular segment of the audience or I forgot about this particular. So it's always remember who the audience is and we're designing for them, not for me. What may look really great for me may not look good for them. And it's always, it always have to remember my, remind myself that one. Yeah. I, and it, well, into it all the time. I love your advice though, to go into PowerPoint and play because it's, it's one of those things I think, for me, design design is, I'm not trained like as in from a visual design perspective, you know, I haven't gone through the process of trying to, to do that. Instructional design, yes, I, I went through school, I did that. But I love that because you know, I think design is one of those things like, even if you can't explain it, you know good design when you see it. Like, you know when something's working. And I was thinking as you were talking about moving things around, like the meaning, right? Like put some different things. Don't put just shapes, but put different things of meaning. And what yeah. happens when they're close together or they're far apart or when they're aligned exactly. or not aligned. And just, yeah. so what a, what great at like practical advice. Anyone can go into Google Slides or PowerPoint or some other simple tool and, and, and work on that. So I, th I think that's, that's really good. So it goes back to practice. Um, uh, and you mentioned early on about drawing, I can't draw. And, you know, there is some research behind that. The reason most people can't draw is they stop practicing around the age of seven, eight years old. Um, those that push through and continue to practice through adolescence into their teens, into their adulthoods. And then you get later in high school and early 20s, it's like, oh, wow, you're a great artist. Oh, I, I wish I could draw like you. And it's a lot of it. You know, there's some talent involved, obviously. But somebody has been practicing another 10 years when you stopped practicing. So anything, any skill requires practice. Visual design is a skill. You got to practice it. So go to the fundamentals, practice it. and over time, you'll start developing different skills along the way. Absolutely. I know I've seen that in action. My daughter, uh, you know, she's graduated high school now, but she probably a couple of years ago started really sketching, like really like just putting in time and the, some of the things that she's drawn, like, uh, and I think people are hard. Like, I think it just takes probably a lot of practice to get good at people. And she's done some, it's just like, wow, that's, it's pretty amazing. But it's, it didn't start that way. It wasn't that way always. Oh, so, right. I do want I'd to get a question. I all mine from childhood, and I look back at the ones I did when I was in high school. Like, oh my gosh! But then you—that's you, the point, right? You evolve; your skills evolve. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to get to the question from Billy. She's watching on LinkedIn. Billy, thank you for tuning in. Uh, and she did also say, Kevin, thank you for your your service with the military. We appreciate that. Thanks, Billy. Um, and she, she says, uh, what are some ways to get buy-in from stakeholders on a comic idea? So obviously yeah. from a business perspective that like I can see going to my, my stake stakeholders and then be like a comic book. Really? So I guess what advice would you give? Well, first off, um, there's a couple of things. Um, I would, I refer to it as the comic medium, not a comic, a, a comic book is the output. That's one of, that's a format. Um, so the comic medium, meaning where you're going to use characters, where you're going to do some storytelling, we're going to do sequential narrative. So how I approach it, um, I'll, I'll get the, the, uh, the project and I'll look over the project. We'll start having this conversation. We haven't talked about what it's going to look like yet. We're still talking about instructional, doing some analysis, trying to figure out who the audience is. And then when it comes time, that's like, OK, we're going to put this together. How are we going to do it? At that point, it's when I say, you know, I've got an idea. Let's let's consider this as an idea because we're still in that phase. Um, have you considered the instructional comic? 
Or have you considered the comic medium? And it's like, well, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is, well, we've got a scenario. We've got a lot of processes. It's less expensive to create an instructional comic than it is to hire a bunch of actors and do video production and video editing, go on site, hire a, you know, hire a location. So if we're going to do a full production. Video is the output, right? It's a medium. Comic is a medium. It's just whether you do the scenario as a video or whether you do it as a comic, you still have the same content. You're still teaching the same thing. You're still, still the same instructional value. It's just how the output comes out is different. So uh, you pitch it to your stakeholders with consider this. Um, if you get the interest that, oh, I haven't thought about that. What does that look like? Or how do you do that? Then you have to put a pitch together, right? So you have to come up with an idea of what it looks like. Uh, what is this? How do you tell the story? Uh, that kind of thing, which is I mean, an entirely different conversation than where we're going from here. But right. uh, I, th I think the idea, I don't pitch it every time. Sometimes I'll get projects and I'm always thinking about it, but sometimes I'll get a project and I was like, I'm not even going to ask the question because this doesn't lend to that medium. Uh, it won't work. Uh, so it's just like video is not the answer to every project. Comic is not the answer to every project. Wait a second. It's not videos, not guys, videos, not the answer to every question. <laughs> Just no, to, totally agree. Totally agree. And I, you know, I've been no, thinking it's, here, it's like not the answer to every project, but in my mind, every project can be a comic. How about that? That's a safe, that's a absolutely. save. Right? <laughs> that's a save. Yes. Uh, no, absolutely. And I'm even thinking about like the role, like uh, I'm trying to think about how I could simplify this, like in terms of um, if I don't have, you know, budget, I don't have means access to people who can inherently just kind of understand the comic medium. Uh, but, you know, like even the application of how you could use screenshots or uh, other pieces of yeah. like photos to, yeah. to build the same type of thing, sure. but without well, you, necessarily yeah, drawing, right? Sequential narrative, right? That's visual narrative, sequential narrative. Um, it doesn't have to be the comic, uh, uh, what we think of the comic output. So what, now, it, it, uh, sequential narrative is part of the discipline within a comic and within storytelling. But if we don't have the artist accessibility, we don't have the talent really accessible to do a comic, we can still do a visual narrative. Um, so that goes back to what you were just saying. We can do a series of photographs that just come in. Uh, we can do a Ken Burns effect. I don't know if anybody mm -hmm. remembers or knows what that is. So uh, we can do a lot of things with, and then do that output as a video. You're still doing a sequential narrative, a visual narrative. You're still telling a story with pictures as opposed to uh, some other production. No, makes makes total sense. Well, Kevin, I want to shift gears here a little bit. We we entitled the episode on like YouTube and everything about inspiration and creativity, and and I'm going to put you in a in one of those unenviable positions and try to answer this question: What comes first, creativity <laughs> or inspiration? Inspiration right. or creativity? <laughs> right. Which one does? Which one comes first? Uh, it's it's one to ponder, right? So, uh, I think. Uh, on the record, off the record, however you want to say it. I think you're on the record, does. so good luck. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, right. Uh, I think inspiration does come first in a lot of ways. Um, creativity, being creative, is creativity is what you do with that creativeness. So what what am I going to do with being creative? I have this uh, I have this ability to do these types of things creatively. But creativity is, is some kind of output. You're, you're producing a product of some kind with that creativeness. I know it's a play on words and everything. But inspiration, 
Um, I'm actually, if you see my backdrop here, I'm actually uh, on an island this week uh, doing some work. And um, I was on a beach this morning called Driftwood Beach. And it is this barren, isolated, sort of eerie, mystic looking beach with these gigantic trees that have fallen down tens and decades ago and they've all converted this driftwood it's a smooth softwood it's like a forest of driftwood and i was walking around with my camera and i was just taking pictures randomly taking pictures and then i looked down there was a pattern in the sand and i thought you know that would make a great texture for this project i'm working on so i started taking a picture of the sand to get the texture so now i have this one picture who's who has now inspired me so I've got this inspiration piece, if you will, from a beach of this silty, salty looking sand, dark black looking sand, but it had an interesting, the way the water, the tide come in and the pattern and the sand and everything. So I was like, well, that's, that's, I'm inspired. I'm inspired now to use that idea and now being creative. Now, what am I gonna do with that idea? What am I gonna do with that inspiration? So then you start being creative. I can use it this way, I can use it that, I can use it as a texture and different things. And then the creativity would then be the output, what I do with that piece of inspiration. Does that make sense? Kind it, of a, it does. And actually that's, personal, yeah. I, I love it because I, that, that's, it leads really well into my, my next question. It's like, where, where do you go for inspiration? It sounds like it's gonna be everywhere, but uh, a couple comments from the chat. Uh, Cheryl Oberlin says, a beach sounds painful, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> but, but I think that's the well, thing. Like, I mean, I, but I'm in a jacket and it's cloudy. So I don't know if that, if that helps. <laughs> there's snow on the ground, it's cloudy and it's cold. So, you know, beach, at least you got the sound of the waves. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm curious, Kevin, because you're working with a lot of instructional projects. It's not just all art and design, which I think probably, no. lend, you know, probably a million places you can go for inspiration for art and design. But when you're thinking about instruction, like how how do you go about that process of being inspired? Because you're not always on a beach, right? Like you're not always going to have that kind of visual affordance of this beautiful backdrop. Like you're you know, if you're doing other projects, sometimes there's nothing seemingly yeah. inspiring about it. Um, I would, I would challenge it. I think, I think inspiration is all around us. You just have to be observant. Um, so we just have to be aware of our surroundings, especially when, when we're doing instructional design and looking for instructional content. Um, I'm, and another thing I would, I would, I would challenge everybody, just be curious, ask questions, ask yourself questions, ask questions of yourself. If you were outside yourself, asking a question that you wouldn't ask yourself, right? So, why am I doing this? What would make it easier? If I was learning how to do this for the first time, what would I want to know? And by, by just randomly running a bunch of those simple questions through your mind, always remembering, and, and not to digress too far, but one of the, the, one of the most difficult things about the work we do is, and, and working with subject matter experts, is we, we forget to know what it's like not to know. We forget what it's like to be an absolute beginner not knowing a certain thing about how to do anything. So practicing and challenging yourself to take yourself back to a place where you can ask those curious questions. Think of a child, you know, where does zebra get its stripes? I don't know, that's a great question. Let's go discover, let's go explore that. Why is that the way it is? To what we do and be curious about everything 
inspiration will come naturally because now you're more observant, you're more aware, and you're asking these really simple, curious questions. And the more you ask yourself those questions around that topic that you're working on or on that project, it'll come. It'll, 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 it'll find it to you. It, it, I would suggest that's a skill. It's a practice as well, though. Yeah, I love that. And I love that, like, you know, it, it starts with a why question. Why is this? Why is, you know, and I'm guessing it goes, and, you know, I've heard people talk about the five whys before where you just keep asking, well, why does zebra have stripes? Well, uh, yeah. it has stripes because it needs to distinguish itself from everything else. Well, why? You know, like why? whatever yeah. that might might right. lead you to. Yeah, because you dig deeper. You're, you're funneling yourself deeper, deeper. And it, it gets hard. I mean, uh, you know, we talked about Lego uh, early on. And, and Lego is a great tool for that because you can visually, now you're doing visual storytelling, metaphorically building things and solving problems by using these bricks. And then ask yourself a question, why? Well, this brick does this. Well, why? Well, and that person has to do this organization and there's an obstacle. Well, why? Well, this obstacle is in the way because there's another barrier and there's a gatekeeper preventing us from getting financing or funds to do this other uh, manufacturing thing. Well, why? And just keep, like you said, just keep asking why and just keep diving deeper. And then the aha moment happens and he's like, aha, now I, now I see a potential solution to this problem. And then you work through the solution that makes and hopefully perfect. come out with a, with a, an award-winning project, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And I love that advice. So, so one of the things, you know, my mind's been reeling here and I've got, I think I've got like, wow, well, like, oh, I'm excited to do some things because I've got some projects I can apply to. But one of the things that I think happens uh, from my perspective, and this is a, probably a very limited perspective of the world of instructional design training, you know, technical writing documentation. But I, I think there's a lot of times when people get into their projects or they get into their organizations and they feel like creativity and inspirations get squashed, right? Like don't, don't use and apply your creativity. Is, is there a balance here? Is there something like we should be thinking about? Like, cause I feel like too many people feel like, Oh, I can't do that because I can't be creative in my work. But like, how would you, what advice would you give to somebody that's maybe feeling stuck or feeling like their business is too cut and dried for someone who is creative like they are? Um, I would to go play. <laughs> um, and, and again, some part of my research uh, that, I, that I do is that when you think with your hands, um, and I relate that to play. So just whatever you like to do, uh, that doesn't involve a whole lot of thinking, just play. And I use Lego. I play with Lego all the time because it's therapy. It releases a certain chemical that allows you to um, um, get into a deeper thinking level um, or get into that flow, the flow zone. Um, another thing is when you think with your hands, let me back up real quick. How many of us have ever... Um, you're struggling with a problem, uh, you're thinking about some solutions, uh, or you got a, you got a difficult conversation that you got to have tomorrow morning. Just all these things that, that might cause stress or anxiety where you're trying to think through, or you're thinking too hard about it, and you're not getting the solution or the answer you want. And then you step away and you go do something else. Uh, or that epiphany happens, uh, you know, taking a shower in the morning, uh, or you go for a walk and all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah. There, that's the idea. So 
what we're doing is we're actually, it's, it's a very highly researched uh, way of thinking is go do something that you think with your hands, do something different. Um, if, if it's painting, if it's knitting, if it's working on it, go change the tire on your car. I mean, even if it doesn't rotate the tires on your car, you're doing something physically and you're thinking, you're not thinking consciously, your subconscious takes over and things start to, um, I'm not saying that it'll happen every time. Right. Because if you, well, I'm going to go change, I'm going to go rotate all the tires on my car because I'm looking for a particular solution. And I know that if I go do this, the solution will appear, then you're going to, you know, you'd be disappointed because you're forcing it. So it can't be forced. Um, I, I practice it. I practice therapeutic play, if you call it, um, almost daily. Um, and it's just, I get to a point where it's like, oh, I'm going to take a break and 15, 20 minutes, I'll just, roll over to the other table and just dump out some Lego and start randomly. I'm not putting a kit or a set together. I'm not following instructions. I'm just putting brick together and seeing what happens. And then this thing comes out and I'm, as I'm thinking, I'm thinking about the project I'm on, but as this pile of brick becomes some object, then I start seeing things from a different perspective and it helps me clear my mind and then I can go work back and solving the problem or looking for that solution. So uh, it, it goes back to what we were talking about a minute. Just it, it's a continuing practice of your craft. Yeah. I, so what I heard is everyone go ahead, go ahead, feel free to take your kids Legos and practice therapeutic Lego play. Right. Um, right. But I, I love that because I, I do think, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm doing instructionally that like the creativity, like you have to have, like you can be creative, but you have to be inspired to do the next presentation or the next, you know, design that next tutorial, because otherwise, you know, you get, yeah. I think we can get easily burned well, and, out or and I struggle. See, yeah. And I see a lot of um, uh, workflows that folks tend to begin developing a solution before they've really finished designing. Um, and design comes before development for a reason. It's spelled that way. D-E-S-D-E-V. It comes in a dictionary. Design comes before development. <laughs> um, so, um, but a lot of times we develop and then we get into, and we all do, we all have our style, just like a writing style. We have a development style. We have, if, if we're into, you know, video, we have a, a way we do video production. It's a style, just like anybody else picks up little habits and little things that we do along the way. Um, but if we're looking for inspiration, we're looking for something different, then we have to step away from our own style. And to do that, we have to put all the technology away. And that's the other benefit of play is you're turning off the noise. You're stepping away from all the noise and you're going to do something that you can just think through the ideas, think through the creativity of it. What does it look like? Can I do something different? And if you, you know, build something, uh, you know, again, use Lego, build something, uh, what you know, it's like, well, here's what I know about design or here's what I know about this topic. Let me build something that looks like that. And then, flip it upside down or turn it around or get up and walk around the table and look at it from a different perspective. And now you're seeing the same design, but now you're seeing it from a different angle. Now, how do you take that and take it back to your work and then redesign something that looks, it still solves the problem, but looks differently. So it's, it's looking at things in a different perspective and uh, just kind of breaking that, breaking the idea of jumping into development too soon. 
For sure. Well, Kevin, I want to uh, ask another question from the audience here. And, and it was Billy again, and she asked, and she did have to step away, but she said, what are some of the resources to learn more about visual design? We obviously early in the conversation talked about that, the, the need for uh, visual design, but if someone wants to actually go actively learn more uh, about the, the crap principle or other principles of good visual design, do you have any good recommendations for, for us? Oh my gosh. You know, uh, five, six years ago, there was a handful that I would recommend. Now there's hundreds of resources. <laughs> um, uh, it, I would, I would suggest just searching fundamentals of visual design and then what comes up is going to be the, probably the most popular, um, uh, IO nine is a good one. Um, uh, Adobe, believe it or not, if you go out to Adobe's website, they've got a lot of really great tutorials and a lot of fundamental information. Whether you're skilled in using Adobe products or not, they still have a lot of free information that talks about the basics um, on visual design. But just just search the fundamentals of visual design. And then over time, you'll find your favorite sources that relate to you and that relate to your craft and your style and the type of work you do. Yeah. And if I can just add in, I think something that um, I've, I've learned to do is just go, go look at a lot of other people's work. Go Portfolios, see yeah. Yeah. Look at portfolios, look at, look at how other people have, have tackled it. In fact, uh, I, I end up working a lot in PowerPoint because I do a lot of presentations and some of the, the things I've really learned is by looking at other people's presentations to see how they've sure. laid it out, where, you know, where they're putting text or not putting text and how they're using images and all those things. And I think just being a, aware of what other people are doing is is super helpful for me, at least. You know, Matt, you, you, you bring up a great point. And, and um, if you look at if you just take PowerPoint, for instance, and the built in templates. Um, you know, schemes, themes, whatever you just bring one of those in and then deconstruct it. How did it get put together? What are the elements they used and how do they put together? And then once you deconstruct it, put it back together differently. How can I make it look different? And that's a great place to start because that's a good, it's already there for you. Take it apart and put it back together differently. And that way you don't have to start from scratch. Yep. Fantastic. Want to get any of your fi final thoughts, advice that you would give to the audience? We've talked, we kind of covered a broad spectrum of visual design and inspiration, creativity, but to wrap us up here today, what, what are your final thoughts? And then uh, feel free to, if there's anything you want to present in terms of, you know, how do people get a, a hold of you or if they're interested in working with you, how would they do that? So final thoughts and then yeah. your, your information. Yeah, I would just, I would remind everybody that inspiration is around all of us. Uh, just be observant, uh, be aware of, of where you are and what you're doing from a visual, from a creative side, you know, that, that perspective. Um, and then don't be afraid to take out your camera and just take a picture of a brick wall because it's a texture and it, it might be something that inspires you later. Um, but just know that inspiration is all around. Be observant the way things work. Um, be curious. Always ask those questions, those fundamental questions. Remember uh, try to remember, what is it like not to know? What if I were the absolute beginner at this? I absolutely know nothing. I have no experience. What's the, what's the fundamental things I need to know? And by answering these questions to yourself will lead you down a journey to help you solve or look for the solution you want. Um, and then on the create, creativity side, um, I think it's teachable, creativity, uh, but it involves practice. So whatever it is you're wanting to be more creative with, if it's visual design, is it PowerPoint, is it animation, is it comment, whatever 
craft that you're trying to, uh, to work towards, um, it, it involves practice and a lot of practice. Um, so I would encourage you to continue to practice. Um, I'm all over the place. Uh, you can find me LinkedIn, uh, same name, uh, Learn Nuggets on Twitter and Nuggethead Studios on Facebook. And that's it. That's I. Well, Mr. Nuggethead is on Instagram and he's the traveling hat of Mr. Nuggethead. So when I'm trying, actually, I've got some new pictures to put up there. He was out on the beach this morning. So I'm going to put a picture of the hat from the beach this morning later. Perfect. So I would recommend you guys go check out Kevin's stuff. Check out, you know, give if you're interested in working on a project with Kevin, he's obviously a fantastic source of so much information. Kevin, thank you so much for like, I, this Thanks, has man. been a fun, it's been a fun conversation. I, I feel like I've taken away some really good reminders as well as some, some new thoughts of how I'm going to approach a couple of projects I've got coming up. So I really appreciate well, it. Thank you. Thank you. It's always, uh, always have fun chatting with you and, uh, uh, everybody listening. Thanks for taking the time to kind of step in and hang out with us for a little bit. Absolutely. One other thing I'll mention is if anyone's looking for Camtasia training through training magazine, Kevin does a course that you guys can go check out with them. So he's not only good with the visuals, he's also good with, with the video stuff and some sweet, sweet animations I've seen you do with the stop motion and things like that. So yeah, yeah. always, always yeah. fun. All right. Well, thanks again to Kevin Thorne. Go check his stuff out. With that said, we hope that wherever you are, that you're making great content, whether it's visuals or image, you know, it, visuals, video, images, whatever it is you're doing. We hope that you take a little bit of time every time you're making those things to just level up, get a little bit better, find your inspiration wherever you might. And, you know, we'll see you guys next time on the Visual Lounge.